What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. What gives you the most hope that BYU can pull off the upset against Texas? We spoke with BYU legend Dennis Pitta. Why? On the next episode, we'll preview the matchup between the Cougars and number seven Texas with Chase Roberts and Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on BYU Radio, baby. Next on BYUSN, Cougar football just two days away from a top 10 matchup at Texas. What gives you and all of us the most hope that BYU can actually pull off the upset against the Longhorns? And we actually make time for BYU tight end Dennis Pitta. He'll tell us why BYU has historically thrived in the major underdog role. How well do you know Texas? The new edition of Know the Foe challenges the status quo. We'll chat with Jamie Shepard and Olivia Wade-Katov, number seven women's soccer, as they prepare for next week's Big 12 Conference Tournament, and we address Spitgate 2020. Say what? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, October 26th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who was not invited to hear Dwayne Wade speak yesterday on campus in Provo, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, I was not. Were you invited? No. Oh, come on, man. Uh, there's a master's class that Ryan Smith, a BYU grad, Utah Jazz owner, teaches, and he invited his co-owner, Dwayne Wade, yeah. Uh, yeah. with him. Dwayne, one of the minority owners. That's pretty cool, man. Dwayne hanging out on campus. With that Trey picture Stewart. in the backdrop, by the way, him explaining that yeah. moment, that's fantastic. Yeah, that is a great photo. Uh, Trey Stewart of the men's basketball team actually – uh, creates uh, a lot of uh, his own clothes and whatnot. So he actually gifted, uh, I think, a, a hoodie to Dwayne Wade, which is pretty cool. So cool moment to have uh, Dwayne Wade on campus. I know he plays at Riverside Country Club yep. with Ryan occasionally in Provo. So that's awesome. Yeah, that connection, the fact that D. Wade is on campus yesterday, that thought alone is just wild. He's on campus, let yep. alone a guest speaker in one of – Ryan Smith's class. And the fact that Ryan Smith, with all of his success, is teaching a class at BYU is pretty cool in and of itself. That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Always good to have a billionaire teacher. <laughs> Brings instant three credit. It's in a credibility. In the business school, yeah. Trust me, I know. Yeah. You know what? You do. You're yeah. a billionaire. Literally started out of his own garage and uh, is killing it. So it's awesome, man. Uh, we could all hope for that type of credibility. Trust us. We know. We're not billionaires. So rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Are you ready for the Texas two-step in Austin? Darrell K. Royal Memorial Stadium and over 100,000 fans await BYU in a showdown with top 10 ranked Texas on Saturday. Now, I had somebody ask me yesterday, Spencer, BYU is 5-2, so why do I feel like there is no hope for the Cougars against Texas? And I was like, really feel like there's zero, zero hope? Zero? Zero hope? Because you're right, they are 5-2. And then we got to talking about the history of BYU and Texas. Did you know BYU's won four or five all-time against Texas? And they've got a backup quarterback point. One loss is by one point. Though. We went through all of these scenarios. Wyoming was tied 10-10 going into the fourth quarter in Austin with Texas. Houston kind of painted a roadmap of how to compete against and potentially beat Texas just a week ago. Go down 21 nothing. Stormback. <laughs> BYU that, knows something that about that this season. Yeah. Wait a minute. They know something about that. Anyway, at the end of the conversation, 
they were almost upset that I had given them hope. Like, why? Why, why do you do this to me? Why do you give me hope that BYU can actually pull this off? People don't want an answer. They want to be heard. <laughs> That's how this works. Needless to say, yes, they had hope. So my question for you is, what gives you the most hope that BYU can actually pull off this upset and beat Texas and get bowl eligible and be 6-2? and two? Look, BYU's a big dog. Uh, Texas, obviously, is awesome. This is actually a good Texas team as opposed to the preseason hype around a Texas team, and then they don't deliver. This Texas team is, is really good, man. Like, they have one loss at Oklahoma. It's da- down to the wire. That was uh, whoever had the ball last kind of game, felt like. Um, and technically, Texas did, I guess, for one play. But uh, a couple things. Um, Malik Murphy playing and not Quinn Ewers gives me hope. Just first start. Hey, we've seen it in, in two spectrums here. We've seen it with Josh Hoover chewed up BYU to the tune of almost 500 yards of passing. And th- but then we saw uh, Jake Strong last week fumble the ball multiple times in critical situations, turn it over, BYU jumps out 14 nothing. That is what helped b- win that game for BYU. Third string versus second string, though. Number two, a better run game gives me some hope. A healthy Aiden Robbins, perhaps that gives BYU a few more first downs that move the chains, sustain some drives. Get into field position where you can kick a field goal, score a touchdown in a place where maybe you wouldn't have. Number three, you're being overlooked, always a good thing. Yes. You operates well out of that, as we've talked about. Opened as a 20, 20 and a half point dog. Last two times, BYU played a top seven team with that metric. BYU won those games 09 Oklahoma, <laughs> 18 Wisconsin, as we've mentioned. And the fourth is that BYU, and this is probably number one, BYU gets takeaways. Yes. When it does, yep. BYU's offense suddenly scores and is good, right? And that is the formula. Unfortunately, BYU doesn't have a lot of other sort of models to work off of. This is the winning model for BYU. Win the turnover battle. But if they do, and oh, by the way, an experienced quarterback, maybe he turns it over. Who knows? Did BYU you learn something from the Josh Hoover experience with TCU that they can use against Malik Murphy? Different quarterbacks, but I mean, first start guy at home in a big game, da-da-da, ABC, national TV, 230 Central, right? Um, can BYU summon something, Jay Hill dial up something that wasn't TCU and was more like Texas Tech, and gives you a chance in the game. Yes. Does BYU have a chance to compete in this game? 100%. Can they win? It's low, but certainly. And there are, there are reasons to be excited. Te- Texas is really good. Like, chances are BYU gets beat and beat by two or three scores plus. But you're not playing the game 100 times or 10 times. You are playing it. Once. That's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. There in lies why I have hope. is because it's one game. Yeah. It's one game, and sometimes weird things happen. And how often does BYU get to play truly with an attitude of, well, we have nothing to lose because we are such a heavy underdog? Like, whatever. Like, if Texas beats BYU by 25, it's like, okay, well, you were supposed to That's do the that. the expectation. You're playing at home in Austin. You're the number seven team in the country. You're supposed to beat BYU handily. So if BYU limps out of there, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's hard to watch, but no one's going to think, well, oh, the season's over. There's, there's really nothing on the line here for BYU other than an opportunity to go win an incredible road game and get to six wins. Yeah. yeah. Texas's season to lose, literally. and their hopes at a college football playoff are on the line. Oh, yeah, they lose. They're out of the They're playoff. They're done. Team. Yeah. Their Big 12 championship hopes, gone. College football playoff hopes, gone. Just done. So everything is on the line for them with the backup quarterback in a game that they are supposed to handily win. So BYU really, mentally speaking, has very little to lose here. And just go out and play loose yep. and run around and be crazy. Maybe we have one of those special scenarios where 
like BYU basketball did at Gonzaga for three years and like BYU has done in the past at Wisconsin and against Oklahoma. It's like, yeah, let's just go out there and see what happens. It's one game. And you brought up something that I want, I want to bring in Steve Young's voice on this because there is something to BYU being a heavy underdog and the Cougars playing well. It just, yeah. it just typically that BYU plays better when they are a heavy underdog. Yes. In fact, let's listen to the Hall of Famer right now. Playing on the road, especially when you're playing an unfamiliar territory, in an unfamiliar territory, against a kind of a big name, is where a lot of teams fade. A lot of teams don't come out with a, who are, what's our best self? You don't see it. They always go home on the plane and they're like, geez, that was not who we were. That happens a ton. And then here we are going to unfamiliar places, like you just said, Wisconsin. I remember that one vividly. And we're better than maybe we thought we were. And I think that's what's cool about what Kalani's able to do with this team. That was prior to the Kansas game for context this year. There's, there's something about BYU being in a big road game that elevates the level of play. And I know it doesn't, At times, it doesn't not always happen. It yeah. doesn't always happen. Yeah, it can. But to Steve's point, he said, typically, you limp out of there and you're like, man, now we were so bad. And that was BYU at TCU, right? Can BYU channel the true underdog rise above mentality that they have had in several games in the past in these really hostile road environments? Can yeah. They did it at Tennessee. They did it at Wisconsin. They've done it at Texas before. Can they do it at Texas again? So I have some, I have some hope there. Yeah. It's one game, and BYU is undefeated when they win the turnover battle. So can BYU win the turnover battle in this one game, have a few things bounce their way, and just make it weird in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Texas is already feeling pressure. Like they're, That's part of the deal at Texas. You play with I, pressure constantly. I kind of hate that they need this game to stay in the playoff hunt. If they were undefeated, they could drop a game still. They need it. TCU needed a win. They got it. They showed up. That motivation level is super high. Well, like, Texas Tech needed a win, too. They didn't get it. Well, Texas Tech, not Texas, right? Um, but Texas, this Texas team is better than these teams that BYU beat in the past in this situation, and that is one concern. Um, but can BYU compete? Yeah, BYU can compete. Let's go compete and just see what happens. There's, yeah, there's literally nothing to lose. If you're 5-3, and three, it's not a big deal. You're supposed to lose by three or four scores in this game. Why not? But don't do TCU. Don't do at Oregon last year. Like, I don't, I don't want that, right? I don't, I don't see that. Show up it, and compete. It could happen, but also BYU could compete, and maybe they. it's that one time out of X that you win. Make like, it weird. Come on. Make it weird. Be Arizona State against yeah. Washington last week. Only be smart and kick a field goal when you have an opportunity yeah. instead of throwing a pick six. Well, good teams win. <laughs> Topic two. During Saturday's game, Texas tight end Jaden York was disqualified from the game after being called for spitting on Tyler Batty. Mm -hmm. York then flipped off the crowd as he ran up the tunnel to the locker room. Okay. After the game, Batty also added this. And I just pancaked one of their, one of their offensive linemen, laying on top of him, I get up. And this dude just comes out of nowhere, just starts saying all sorts of stuff, and then spits in my face. Um, and then honestly, actually, to end the game as well, uh, their right tackle, 76, did the same thing. After Josh Singh made that tackle, um, just, uh, yeah, came up. And I was like, hey, man, you know, like, good game. And he just beep, beep, beep. Okay, that would be Caleb Rogers. Uh, okay. Both of these incidences were addressed by Red Raiders head coach Joey McGuire yesterday after practice. Jane York said he did not do it. 
Uh, I've seen every video, TV copy. I would ask y'all to go back and review the TV copy and, and see that if there is a, I think if, if I spit in your face, that would be a reaction. And the reaction is you either wipe it off or you hit me in the mouth. So go back and watch the TV copy and see if what everybody believes. Just watch the TV copy. It's nothing against the officials. It's nothing against 92. It's nothing against Jane York. They slow it down. Go watch the TV copy and see, like, just as a logical human being, the conclusions that you draw. Okay, then uh, this morning, Eddie Heckard, BYU cornerback, tweeted the following. He spit on me early in the game. It's on film two, referring to the video of McGuire of what we just played. The play Eddie is referring to is Jaden York doing it on the fourth down fumble on Tech's first drive, the drive before, takes his mouthpiece out, looks around, and then spits on Heckard. It's pretty clear. In fact, we cut it off there. But uh, on this angle, if we kept it going, takes out his mouthpiece, looks around, and winds up, and we cut it off, unfortunately. But, uh, Spencer, what do you make of Spitgate 2023? One, I hate that we're having to discuss this. Like, the week of the Texas game. Like, but it is a storyline. Yeah. It's become a thing now because Texas Tech's head coach made it a thing and felt so strongly that he needed to defend his players that now it's, uh, well, Tyler Batty says this and Jaden York and Caleb Rogers say this. Now we're looking at the film, and then Eddie Heckard chimes in. And I'm glad Eddie did because – now he's like, hey, like Tyler didn't make like make this up. This this was happening. Yeah. I got I got spit on, and that's not okay. So I hate that we're talking about this. It's football. Emotions run high. I get it that sometimes that it happens, but when Coach McGuire says review the film, if I'm Jaden York and I didn't spit on anybody or do anything wrong, then my body language is all up in front of the officials with my arms out like this, saying. I didn't do anything. Like, there was no case. Like, it, you can tell on the film that he was not even trying to make a case with the officials yeah. that he didn't do something. He just ran off the field and then sends two middle fingers to the sky, and that doesn't help his case either as he's flipping off the crowd. Not against the rules per but, se, no, but uh, it doesn't help. Again, he's upset. He's emotional. I get yeah. it. It's yeah. football. Yeah. So. I'm not here to say, Jaden York, how dare you let your emotions get the best of you. Like, it happens. Yeah, it's happened with BYU players but, and other incidents. Not like this, but other incidents. The question is, did it actually happen? And when he puts up no front to argue that he didn't do it, yeah. and there's no, like, outlandish arm motions, like, why are you kicking me out? And he just runs off the field. That, to me, is like, okay, he got caught and he knows it. That, that's what I thought. He got caught and he knows it. That's unfortunate. I hate to see somebody get kicked out. But, yeah. like, I believe that Jaden York did this. As far as Caleb Rogers goes, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything. Sure. Like, that one's hard to find. It's Tyler's voice. It's Tyler's it. word yeah. against now Coach's word. But Jaden York, to me, that one, that happened. And we got film evidence yeah. of it happening. Yeah. And he running off guilty makes me think that it did happen. And, again, unfortunately, we cut that play off. But you see him wind up and spit. It's clear as day. And that isn't even the play in question. It's another play. Also, he took his mouthpiece out in the play in question. And then looked why around. Why do you take your mouthpiece out? Why, why are you looking around? That doesn't mean he spit, but it is curious. Witnesses and facts matter. See the volleyball moment last year where after a two-week investigation, there were no other witnesses or evidence to corroborate a much more serious claim. Okay, the line judge threw the flag, saw the spitting. It wasn't the person right in front of Tyler. It was someone else. There's one witness. Was it weird that Tyler didn't wipe something off his face? 
Maybe you didn't reach him. It's not whether the spit lands on you, it's if someone spits at you. That's possible. After the game, I'd love to have anyone else who saw Caleb Rogers come forward. If no one else, it's on Tyler's word. But the third play is incriminating by the same guy who gets tossed. Then he double birds the crowd, doesn't help. Is it weird to have multiple alleged spitting incidences? Yeah. yeah that's super does it, weird. Does it make me spiteful, angry, or think less of Texas Tech? It does not. Let's move on and compete in the Big 12. But Joey McGuire made it a thing last night. He's defending his guys. I don't fault a coach for defending his guys. But we have another play where it's super obvious, and it's the same. Yeah, I'd like, to hear, him, I'd like to hear him address that one. It's a tough look. Right. So I'd like, now that Eddie Heckard has come forward and said, uh, that one's on film, and yeah, it happened to me, yeah. I would love to hear Joey McGuire address that one as well. Sure. Because if he says, yeah, we can see that one there, that's unfortunate that it happened, Jaden knows better, he needs, fine. If he wants to defend Caleb Rogers against Tyler Batty, and there's no film evidence to corroborate I'd it. I'd like to hear from BYU guys who are nearby. For sure. Yeah, because I saw something in the press box. I was like, there's like a little tussle down there. And when the spinning happened, then the two came, teams came together and it got kind of weird for a moment. Yeah, Caleb Rogers is an interesting character too because before the game, I watched him for about 10 minutes during the Cougar walk. He came over to that corner of the end zone and was about 10 feet away from the BYU players and he was chirping at every single one of them. Like to play mental which, games, try and get in their head. Which isn't illegal. It's a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But he... He's that type of personality where he's going to just yap, yap, yap and chirp, and he's, he's telling sure them he's going to kick their butt all over the field. I'm and, sure there were BYU players doing a similar thing. Right, so they're walking by the Cougar walk to the locker room, and he's purposely in that corner just staring at all of them, saying, like, every single one of those BYU players chirping. And so when it happened, when I heard about this, I was like, eh, it's that guy. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised. Did he, did he do it? I don't really care. What I do care about is that we have film evidence that corroborates what Eddie Heckert said about Jaden York, which makes me believe he could have done it to Tyler Batty too if he's not in the right mindset and the way he ran off the field. Witnesses and evidence matter. Assume nothing. <sighs> yeah. And then we see that and we go, okay, we now know something. Well, I'd like to close the book on Spitgate. We won't. It's going to carry on for a little bit longer and turn our attention ne to next, Texas. Next year, it's a storyline if they play. It is. <laughs> Is this the beginning of a budding rivalry between <laughs> this, this Texas Tech and BYU? <laughs> Again, I don't think less of Texas Tech about it. Like, is it weird and kind of annoying? Sure, but I don't think less about the you team can't or university base, or no, on One or two players? Yeah. yeah, we can't make it about one or two Let's players. Let's move on and compete. It's all good. Our question of the day is this. Dealing with another team in Texas, the Longhorns, yeah. and a huge showdown in Austin this Saturday. What gives you the most hope, if you have any hope at all? That BYU can actually pull off an upset against Texas. Mm. Set Bobo on Instagram answers. BYU has a habit of coming out of nowhere and winning a game they had absolutely no business winning. Yeah. And it's been Texas in the past. Why not this weekend? Why not? Go compete. Let's go and catch the pregame two-hour edition. BYU Ascend Game Day on BYU TV featuring Austin Collie with the boys, 1.30 Eastern time this Saturday. Up next, I told you we made time for him. The legendary Dennis Pitt. Oh, Dennis, what's up? Discussing what gives him the most hope BYU could pull off an upset against Texas. He knows a thing or two about being a 20-point underdog and winning a game. That built-in looks nice in the new house. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Fun to watch highlights of uh, a Super Bowl champion and an All-American. I used to actually shoot the footage. That's a lot of my footage. Though. You shot that those touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm in the end zone shooting my future well, homie Dennis well, Pitta. Well, yeah, that's an interesting. We bit didn't of use the game footage or get the melts, so I would just sit there and shoot. Yeah, Dennis Pitta joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Probably Dennis, focus a couple times. Upon learning about this revelation that Jerem shot some of your highlights that we just showed on BYU TV, how does that make you feel? I didn't know Jerem was the main cameraman for the mountain. <laughs> it, it explains a lot because every time I go watch the old games, it's so you can't even tell what's going on. It's so pixelated. Yeah. So the fact um, that he filmed all those uh, makes a lot of sense to me, actually. You, you wish it was on the mountain. It was just me in the end zone. Some cold days. Now I just sit in the warm press box. But uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? BYU's uh, five and two, playing Texas, uh, feeling good, but uh, huge game Saturday. Yeah, hey, before we get into football, guys, we've got all day to talk about football. Uh, I need to bring somebody on right now. Uh, okay. I have somebody here with me who oh, needs to oh, issue an look, apology. Look who it is, Mr. Austin Colley. He needs to issue an apology not only to you two, mainly yeah. to Spencer, because we don't value your time, Jerome. Spencer wasn't um, even here yesterday. You weren't even there, Spencer? I was. Let's preface this by saying Austin was supposed to be on the show yesterday yes. and conveniently slept in. And uh, his appearance. So I made him come out today and issue an apology. So I'm going to give Austin the mic here for a second. And, give him the uh, mic already. He's got a lot to say. I'm. I'm. Uh, first off, I was on West Coast time. I played for Mountain Time. Okay, we can chalk that up to concussions. <laughs> <laughs> he's been hit in the head a lot. We know that we is know. clear. Ooh, right? That's real. But uh, yeah, apologies, guys, on behalf of uh, everybody here in this household. Uh, so sorry, and uh, yeah, look forward to getting look forward to getting on there next week. Austin, yeah, well, all good, man. You're, all you good. are you are forgiven. Yeah. You are forgiven. Now yeah. we now we just got to get Dennis and Jerem to forgive each other for whatever it is. I I have no <laughs> issue with Dennis. We just oh, we just rarely make grave. time. You're taking it to the grave. <laughs> let Let me mention that Austin was not under my roof when he slept in and missed his appearance on your show yesterday. Okay, had he yeah. been. Under my roof, I would have made sure that he was up and on time and, yes. and ready to go. You're responsible. Um, he was in a hotel up in Huntington Beach yesterday, and he's got this whole elaborate story about how <laughs> there was a fire alarm at 4 a.m. Oh, oh we heard. We all, believe him. And he messed up, you know, mountain time versus Pacific time. And, and uh -huh. It's a lot of excuses, a lot of really poor excuses, but I, I made him come on here and apologize because yeah. that's unacceptable. We, we value your guys' time. <laughs> we apologize to to BYU Sports Nation, yes. to all our Cougar fans out there. And uh, on behalf of Austin and myself, we're collectively embarrassed by his, by his um, lack of, of punctuality yeah. on his appearance. So if you guys don't invite him back, totally understandable. I, I completely get that. <laughs> and I know he has a reoccurring spot on your show every week or every other week. If you terminate that contract, I agree. I, I mean, I would agree with that decision wholeheartedly. Well, thanks for coming on, Dennis. It was good to talk to you. <laughs> good fun, guys. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. We want to talk football. Uh, let's talk football. Uh, okay. Five, okay. Five and two, and no one's given BYU a shot at Texas. Like, it opens as a 20-point dog. We've been talking about, hey, there are reasons to think that BYU can go and compete, and, hey, maybe even win. Who knows? Obviously, Texas is uber-talented. This BYU offense has struggled. Defense has been taking the ball away. Special teams have been awesome. But what gives you hope that BYU can compete and maybe even win? Well, the quarterback situation for Texas is one big reason why I think uh, we're, we're playing them at the right time. Because, um, you know, if you have the starter, Quinn Ewers, in there, I, I think 
you know, with his experience and, and all that, I think it'd be a, an uphill battle for sure, especially playing at Texas. Um, breaking in a new quarterback, a redshirt freshman. Um, and, and to be completely honest, I have my fingers crossed that we're going to see Arch Manning in this game because uh, if we want to get some viewers and some eyes on this football game, mm. you put the Manning kid in the game and the whole country will be watching. So um, secretly and selfishly, I hope that he plays in this game. But uh, either way, it's a freshman quarterback in his first start making his college debut. What a great situation and uh, and potential for BYU's defense to be able to generate turnovers, which they have done all year. And so the reason they have won a lot of games is largely because of their defense, their ability to turn the ball over and set the offense up with short fields or score points themselves. And so uh, if you can get a young freshman quarterback to turn the ball over a few times, well, then anything can happen because we know how, how big turnover margin is in the outcome of a football game. So um, I like BYU's chances to completely honest. If you asked me this, you know, a, a week or two ago when their starter was still in there, I would have said, ah, it's, it's probably going to be an uphill battle. It would have to be, you know, a, a near flawless performance by BYU to get this one done. But I mean, we have a chance. Dennis does BYU's performance against a backup quarterback in his first start, Josh Hoover at TCU in Texas on the road afternoon game. Does any of that give you pause that maybe that BYU team shows up? And if you don't think that team's going to show up, why, why is it that you believe BYU will be better than they were at TCU against the backup quarterback? Well, I, listen, TCU's backup quarterback played pretty darn well in that game. So, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get. I, I mean, maybe this guy comes in and he never leaves. He's the starter for the rest of the year because he just outplays Quinn Ewers and gives them their best chance to win. You don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, you could have a, a, a classic Wally Pitt situation where, you know, you come in and you never leave. And that's why injuries are so tough in sports because sometimes you give up your position because of an injury and you never get it back. And it's the next man up and he outperforms you. And so could that happen? Certainly. Um, I know that freshman kid or, or the starter for TCU hadn't, didn't play quite as well uh, the next week uh, against um, who did they lose to? Kansas, Kansas, Kansas State, 41 to three. Yeah, and it was one of the states. Uh, they got kind of throttled in that game. So he played really well against BYU, but I, um, you know, it might have just been that that first start kind of uh, high that he was riding. But listen, you don't know what you're going to get out of backup quarterback. And uh, you know, this kid's uber talented. He was a high recruit. He's actually from, from here to the high school, Sarah. And so um, I, I know a lot of guys out here who played against him, uh, whether in seven on seven or, or in, in, in a real game. And, and he's a big, strong athlete that can run and can throw the football. So BYU's certainly got their hands uh, or their work cut out for them because uh, he's a talented football player. But Getting a quarterback in his first start is usually a good thing for a defense. And especially if you can confuse him with some, some different looks and give him some things he's not used to seeing uh, in the speed of an actual game. And you might be able to generate some turnovers, but you never know what you're going to get. I, I just, I, I do like BYU's chances. I think this gives them a much better chance than had this, than Quinn Ewers been in the game. What are you seeing from the tight end position? Because it feels like it's being used less than we thought. Uh, Isaac Rex obviously is, is doing his thing with 23 for 316 and one touchdown. One more touchdown he passed to Gordon Hudson for all-time touchdowns. 
Latavatase has the second most snaps at 136, uh, and then it's everybody else with like 33 or fewer. What are you seeing from the tight end position? Well, I mean, the tight end position runs through Isaac Rex. And, uh, you know, other, other tight ends have played a decent amount. I mean, you said that one name that I won't try to repeat because I don't know how to say it. Um, and he's largely been their blocking tight end. So he comes in a lot and, and uh, not running a lot of routes. It's been Isaac on all the passing downs and any passing situation that has come in and been their, their receiving threat. Listen, Isaac started the year really well. And he, and he was, was getting catches. Their offense was was playing well and putting up points and all that kind of stuff. I, I think you have to involve Isaac Rex. I think it's a mistake if, if he's not being utilized. I think it's a mistake if you're not um, developing a quick game package that allows him to get the ball in his hands and rumble upfield. He's a big body. I mean, it, it takes a lot to get him to the ground. And so if he can catch, you know, a couple stick routes a game, um, a couple shallows a game, a, a dig here and there over the middle. Those things add up over time, and then those five-yard catches start turning into eight- and ten-yard gains because it's tough to bring down. And I just think you have to start the passing game with number 83. I think he has to be involved. I think he has to be involved early. He has to be involved throughout the game. And if you can get the ball in his hands quickly and get the ball out of Keaton's hands quickly um, – throwing those short little passes in the quick game and starting things off and, and really making an extension of your run game, which has been obviously lacking. Uh, I think that's your best formula for offensive football. And to be able to have a guy like Isaac Rex and not really target him um, a, a ton is a mistake. And so, you know, listen, I, I always go to bat for tight ends and, and I think it was, Last year, um, you know, I, there was the whole Dallin Holker situation and Isaac Rex, and they weren't getting involved early. And then you have Dallin, Dallin transferring and all that kind of stuff. I mean, look at Dall what Dallin's doing now. He's one of the top pass catching tight ends in the whole country. Yeah. And so I, I was, you know, standing on my soapbox last year trying to um, make a case for the fact that we need to use our tight ends. We needed to use two NFL caliber tight ends, which is what they both are. And we just weren't. And so it's been refreshing to see them try to get Isaac involved this year. And I think they have made a concerted effort to do that. But there's been games where he hasn't been as involved as I would have liked to see. And so I think the passing game starts there. And if you can get the ball in his hands early and often, it opens up everything else. It'll open up Chase Roberts on a deep post. It'll open up all these other receivers that they have to catch the ball downfield. And so um, any good offense utilizes a tight end. Any good offense in the NFL and college utilizes their tight ends because they are mismatches. And that's certainly what Isaac Rector is, and I would love to see him get the ball a lot more. Oh, here's to that, Dennis. You just gave me hope that if BYU utilizes Isaac Rex, that might be the jump start that the offense needs. And I guess you can point to – our guy Andy Reid, the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, like and Taylor. You, you can point to a million different offenses, but all those good offenses, I promise you, utilize a tight end in some way and, and get them the ball. Here, here's the thing: there's been a lot made of the run game this year, and you don't have to have a great run game to have a good pass game. You don't have to have a good run game. Period. I, I mean, when you think about teams like the Chiefs and, and all, all these potent offenses. Do they really think that they have to establish the run to really get their pass game going? No. 
the the run game is a complement to what they do in their pass game. And I think BYU can take that same approach. I think BYU can use quick game to really supplement their run game. And they start getting the ball out of his hands quick, getting it into the receiver's hands. You break a tackle here and there, you get an explosive play. If not, you get three, four, five, six yards on a catch, and then it opens up stuff for deeper downfield throws. And then also, guess what happens? It starts to open up running lanes because now they have to play a little bit softer coverage and respect the, the pass game. And now you have opportunities in the run game. It just sometimes, yeah, you want to be a great running team and you want to be able to take play action shots and downfield shots off of that run game because that's an effective formula. But if you can't run the football, you can't do all that stuff. So you just have to find a way to supplement it with quick RPO throws out to wide receivers or quick game throws, stick routes, all that kind of stuff you can utilize against any defense, no matter what they're running against you, you can take advantage of those throws to supplement the run game and it will open up runs. It will open up throws downfield and, and it will open up your whole offense. And I think that's the, the step I would love to see this offense take over the next couple of weeks, because it, let's be honest, guys, it's going to get really, really tough over yep. the next five weeks for BYU. Their strength of schedule is top five in the country moving forward. And so they play the top, four teams in the big 12 ranking wise uh, over the next four weeks. So it's going to be tough sledding. And if you want to grind out a couple wins that I'm not sure BYU will be favored in any of those games moving forward. And so if you want to, if you want to steal a win that you probably, you know, shouldn't win, then you've got to You've got to develop that part of your game. Dennis, just a thought as we close up this interview, um, you should really consider giving your football analysis on national television at some point. I think you're pretty good at it. Oh, what? Well, here I you know. are. I like to keep. I like to keep it, you know, to BYU only. Um, right, well, well, I appreciate that. I know I I, I kind of went on a couple rants today, and uh, you know I didn't give you guys a lot of opportunity to talk. I love. I know how much Jaron loves to talk and hear himself talk, so I apologize for dominating the mic in this one. Um, but, you know, I don't think we've talked all year, all, all season. And so there, I had a lot of things to say. And I, I've watched a lot of BYU's film. Uh, Isaac Rex and I meet every week and we talk. We watch the opponent. We watch the game film. And so I've been, you know, far more involved this year in watching the film than I ever have. And so I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say, whether they're right or wrong. I'm probably <laughs> wrong at times. Um, but I've also played a lot of football. I've seen a lot of football and I know some things I've played it in a million different offenses in seven years. And with the Ravens, we had six different offensive coordinators. So I've played in a million different offenses. And I know, you know, um, the, the, the foundation, the basics of what makes offenses good. And uh, BYU has the tools. They, they have the coaches. They have the scheme. It's just about kind of putting it all together and understanding, um, you know, what you can do to take advantage of, of some of these teams. Listen, Texas is going gonna, is gonna to have better athletes than us. That's just a fact. And uh, they play a really simple style of defense. They just, you know, they, they, it's a lot of zone drops. It's not going to be a ton of man-to-man. -man. It's not going to be a lot of rerouting the receivers. They're not going to get their hands on guys and make it difficult for the timing and the tempo of the offense. They're just going to try to out-athlete you and say, we're going to line up and play simple stuff and try to beat you with our front four, try to outrun you and, and do all those things and, and make you make mistakes. And, uh you know, I think BYU's got as good of a chance as any to go out there and complete a lot of balls and, and move the ball if they can, um, you know, take advantage of some of that quick game and some of that stuff that will, will supplement their, their lack of a run game because this is a really stout run defense.
and one of the best in the country. And so if we think we're going to go in there and, and pound the football and then take play action shots off of that, I, I think it's going to be a long day for us. A dialed in Dennis Pitta, very intuitive. Look forward to more of that, Dennis. Let's not wait so long next time. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Hey, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Sorry for Austin. <laughs> it's Thanks. okay, bro. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> Cougar pregame live Saturday, 1.30 Eastern on BYU Radio. Two hours to get you ready for the game. Dennis, Dennis going to Dennis, man. He's, he's awesome. Now, is he apologizing for the city of Austin or Austin College? I think we know the I, I know the answer. Yeah. It, it, it's in play. Both, both the things are in play. A former Cougar back in Utah will tell you who it is in today's headlines and the Cougar Whip Round. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. Yesterday, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick was asked about the role of sustaining drives against Texas Saturday. I mean, it's, it's critical. Staying on the field is something that we need to do better. Um, and it's a good defense, you know, so it's going to be a challenge. But we, have, we think we have a good game plan, and we're going to go compete. And, um, you know, I think if we can, if we can uh, get some first downs and, and uh, give ourselves a chance to score some points, we'll, we'll be in it. Quarterback Keaton Slovis was also asked about playing a blue blood program like Texas. I feel like every week it's a great challenge to go play a lot of teams, but obviously Tech's such a great program. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, you know, it's, it's always fun to go play in those games, you know, and, um, you know, I know the guys, you know, always excited and extra, extra fed up for every game, but, you know, there's something really cool about going to play in front of 100,000 people, you know, again, at a Blue Bud school. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really tough challenge, but I think that's what excites everyone too. Moments ago, Texas uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian also named Malik Murphy the starter for the game officially, so we know that. Pre-game coverage for Saturday's game between BYU number 7 Texas begins at 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball on the road playing at Kansas State tonight, 7.30 Eastern. Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. The first of two matches between the Cougars and the Wildcats. BYU currently tied for second in the Big 12 standings. Behind Texas, Kansas State tied for sixth. Ashley Hatch is playing with Team USA at America First Field in Sandy tonight against the Columbia National Team. I'm stoked. I'm taking the fan to the game. BYU women's tennis will compete in the TCU Hidden Dual Meet beginning today. How are we going to know Saturday. where it is? Representing the Cougars at this event will be Kendall Kovic, Tina Lee, Avery Pope, Maddie Smith, Bitsy Tolis, and Kara Wheatley. Avery those Pope, are as in Mark Stein. Yes, those are today's headlines. Now, some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Last night, UTEP forgot its white road uniforms, had to wear its home blue ones, while Sam Houston wore its home orange uniforms. Okay. Would you like to see BYU forget its road unis and wear royal blue against Texas' burnt orange? Listen, it's, it's not hard to contrast the burnt orange. BYU could show up with pretty much any uniform they have in their arsenal, and it would be good enough. Unless it's 1940 orange, I guess. If you brought back that weird orange, yeah, okay, maybe it's a little confusing, but sure, yeah, royal blue, but listen, they're going with the Taysom, the white top, the navy bottoms. Taysom leaped in those uniforms against Texas last time BYU played there. How about this from at Aaron K underscore MN. His sons dressed up as us for a Halloween party. Well then. In fact, 
He said, my, droids, my boy is dressing up last night. My oldest, right, is Jaron Gordon. <laughs> Hair was better from the front. My second left is Spencer Linton. My youngest son was a BYU football player. This is awesome. That, that's hilarious. Well done with the Mike flags and the logos on the shirt and the khakis. and the. Now, the only thing I would add is Your shirt's Spen untucked? Yeah, yeah, my shirt needs to be untucked. Okay. And then Spencer's pants need to be uh, like a bright royal or white. That's that's white, what white pants. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well done. Up next, as we continue a busy Thursday show, super seniors from BYU women's soccer, Jamie Shepard. Hey! And Olivia Wade-Katoa in Studio B. What can women's soccer do in the Big 12 tournament to earn that number one seed in the NCAA tournament? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Peterson plays Wade Katoa into the area. Olivia Wade Katoa goes far post and off the post and in. It's Jamie Shepard on the end of it. Falls to Katoa. The top of the post and in. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, and we have a couple of sensational super seniors here. I've been here so long, man. From BYU I Women's Soccer. I can't believe Soccer. they're leaving. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. What's up? Super in so many ways. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thanks, guys. You got a little bit of a break here before the tournament. Um, it feels like just game, practice, game, practice. Like, what? Do you feel like you have a breather before you get into this Big 12 tournament? Like, what, what's the schedule like over the next few days? Yeah, well, we haven't we played Monday, right? It was our last Big 12 conference game and then don't play till next Monday. So, with the Big 12 schedule, it's been so busy. Yes. This yes. Thursday, Monday, the traveling, it's been a lot. So, to have this week and to kind of regroup and take a break a little bit has been nice. That is nice. Thanks for getting all three goals out in the first half cuz I had to take my 5-year-old home. Yeah, so, I left yeah. at halftime. The game-winning goal had already been yeah, scored. Good. So I really appreciate you. that. Yeah. Thank you for being so unselfish. So, so aware. This, this tournament thing is new, right? WCC didn't do this. Um, so, Olivia, what's it like to, like, go into this tourney and, frankly, hopefully you meet up with Texas Tech in the end and mm -hmm. have an opportunity for a big win to maybe get a one seed? How are you guys feeling? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the goal is obviously to go in and do some damage in the Big 12 tournament. We're super excited. Obviously, the WCC didn't have this, and I think it's a great opportunity for us to prepare for the NCAA tournament. So I feel like just getting this experience a little bit earlier will really help boost us into the NCAA tournament. And like you said, we are playing for a one seed that is on the table still, and so as long as we go take care of business, I think that's something we can definitely go get. BYU women's soccer standouts, Jamie Shepard and Olivia Way Katoa are on BYU Sports Nation. As you compare and contrast the Big 12 <clears throat> with the West Coast Conference, now that you've gone through a full Big 12 regular season, and both of you can chime in on this, mm -hmm. what's been the biggest difference between playing in the WCC compared to the Big 12? I think right when we jumped into the Big 12, I, the first thing I did was kind of compare the teams. And looking at them, it was like, okay, the Big 12 has normally a couple, three or four top teams that are normally in the top 25, and mm -hmm. so does the WCC. But I think overall the Big 12 has just been a little bit more competitive. And going to these bigger schools, bigger name schools, bigger um, – and nicer facilities and fields. Everything has just felt bigger to me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been super fun to, for our senior year, go and play some new teams and some new competition. And I'm grateful I got one year in the Big 12. Yeah, it's been so fun. And especially, I feel like the soccer has been a lot different than maybe the kind of soccer that we've seen in the WCC. Mm -hmm. I feel like West Coast soccer is definitely different from maybe like 
southern soccer, yeah. a lot of it has been a little sure. bit different. Correct so me I if I'm wrong, but the WCC felt finesse at times. Yes. The Big 12 feels very physical. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Is that oftentimes fair? Sometimes finesse yes. is considered weaker, but it's not. Yeah. If there's more style maybe mm -hmm. in yes. finesse. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to physical, just like more power. I don't For know. Sure. How would you guys I mean, think? yeah, there's pros and cons to, to each. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the Big 12 teams, they're very talented, but I feel like as well, they're very fast, they're very strong, they're very tall. And I feel like it's a lot different from maybe the West Coast Conference where, you know, you just have a lot of really crafty players and that's kind of about as far as it goes. And that's not a knock on the WCC. They're obviously a really strong um, conference as well. It's just very different, I feel like, in terms of style of play. So. And, and the WCC, I think Santa Clara was better than the rest of the group traditionally, but Texas Tech has emerged as this sort of contender, right, with BYU in terms of like, hey, we're top 10, we want to be a one seed. So what's at stake next week in terms of trying to get a one seed? Because the RPI is three, but honestly, you probably need to get to the title game and beat Texas Tech. Is that how you feel? I would say yes. Okay. Um, yeah, next week's going to be big for us, and we're hoping to make it to that final game and hopefully win. I think that will be huge. Um, like you said, our RPI is at a three, and winning can only help us. So... We're hoping for that. And this tournament, like, it's a good league. It's good teams. You're not killed by a late game at name school mm -hmm. that's in the 200s, right, mm -hmm. which is awesome. I know that you're all, I mean, you're both competitive. Very, very no. Just a little ultra no. crazy competitive. Massive, okay. mild manners. And if I had competitive rankings for everybody on the roster, you two would be probably at the top, okay? Like, you're, you're up there, right. yeah. okay? Yikes. That said, because of what happened against TCU and Texas Tech, do you want to see both of those teams in the Big 12 tournament? There were ties. For oh, yeah. yeah. We've yes. talked about that. We've been talking yes. about that, I feel like, ever since the bracket came out, just how excited we are to kind of have a little revenge tour. <laughs> Everyone that we play, you know, we've either tied or beat. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for us to really go finish what we started during the season. So, yeah, yeah. we're just super excited for that. So excited to see TCU on that same <laughs> side. We're like, couldn't have worked out better. Yep. Is it, how did you guys rebound from two moments in the season? One is losing at Utah State. It's your only loss. Mm -hmm. And then uh, TCU at home. It's a huge crowd. It's the Big 12. Yeah. Tie. And you come back to tie. Like, you needed a great effort. How have you guys sort of regrouped? Because in 2021, you rallied post-UVU loss to go to the national title game. Mm -hmm. Have these two in some way rallied this group again in a similar manner? I would think so, yeah. I just We talk a lot about um, there's going to be lots of highs and lots of lows in the season, and no season is perfect. And um, we, It was almost pretty perfect. Almost. <laughs> almost. We honestly rather have these, those moments, yeah. you know, earlier in the season. I think they're good for us, and they've helped us grow, and we've learned a lot and have only gotten better from, there, from them. And so as sucky as they are, those highs and those lows, they're definitely needed and are going to propel us to do, hopefully, great things. Is it weird to feel like you could have two more games or nine more games? It is There's weird. a lot that could happen mm -hmm. here. Yeah. I always feel like this part of the season's very interesting just because yeah. you're like, all right, we could be playing till December or, you know, we could be done pretty, pretty early. And so yeah. I feel like, you know, just taking it game by game, making sure that we are playing yeah. until December is kind of just our main focus, just taking it 
one game at a time. 100 games played for Jamie Mosenbuoy history. Yep. Let's go, Jamie. <laughs> Come on, and, then, and then you're up there too, Liz. Super senior. I, I feel like I'm in the 90s somewhere, but hey, <laughs> like, he's like up there. Almost 200 a mere games 90-ish. <laughs> Just 90. Hey, I'm not at 100. That's triple digits right there. Gosh. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. All the players in BYU history. Number Incredible. one in games played. Thank that's you, awesome. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have other words for COVID uh, off camera, but yeah. All right, we'll finish with this. Everybody, every team wants home field advantage during the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You were gangbusters on the road in the Big 12 specifically. Yeah. You dominated on the Last road. year in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yeah. So, weirdly, you play super well on the road. Like, is, what is it? What is it about that? Why, why do you play so well on the road? I think there's something about being on the road. It's just you and your teammates and your coaches. And you're just, you know, you kind of have to come together and just lock it in. And obviously, being at BYU, we get a great fan base wherever we go. Um, and normally have more fans than the home team. And Round so, Rock, Texas. Let's go. Yeah, honestly, any game is a home game for us. But True. I think something about those home games, we know we kind of have to show up. So, yeah. All right, let's go. Good, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah. Take the karma. Have Round fun. Rock, Texas. Let's Saturday. go. Yes. Spirit fingers. Monday, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State winner. Yep. Okay. Let's go. Yes. We called you super seniors. But super can mean a lot of things, right? Super yeah. duper seniors. <laughs> Thanks okay. for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, up next on BYU Sports Nation. Oh, listen, soccer is not the only team competing at a high level in Texas this weekend. Football team's in Austin. So what gives you hope they can go gangbusters on the road? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back with our question of the day, which is simply what gives you the most hope that BYU can upset Texas on Saturday in Austin? At Brian Ellerton on X says, the BYU defense causes turnovers better than any of the BYU defenses that I can remember. They're really good at it. Number three in the country, turnover margin. Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, comes from Kevin.i.217 on Instagram, who says, if Taysom Hill runs out the flag for BYU, then every Texas player, coach, and fan will cower in fear. Some of them may not know who he is, uh, but the the Saints are at the Colts on Sunday. I'm contemplating doing a segment in Austin tomorrow where I just do man on the street and just ask people if, About they, if they know this guy. Do you know this guy? Do you know this moment? Do you know this man? Do you know who this is? Do you remember this? Yeah. Wanted. <laughs> All right. Thanks to today's guest. Oh, actually, today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Ashley Ash playing for Team USA tonight in Sandy. You're going to be there. I'll be there. Yep. Awesome. You're flying off. Our thanks to today's guest, Dennis Pitta, Jamie Shepard, and Olivia Wade Katoa. Sorry to all of you for making time for Dennis Pitta. You can catch the conversation on uh, X Instagram and Facebook, BYUSN.com. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Andy Reid. We'll see you tomorrow from Austin, Texas, and here in Studio B. Go Cougs!